sex is fun. You know, it's great when you have that connection and, and the love that goes along with it, but just raw animal sex is fucking hot. And who wouldn't want to do that all day, every day? My sex life has always been like trial and error. You know, like you, you try something, do you like it, yes or no? And uh, then you move on from there. For me, bad sex is when you allowed something to happen when you should have said no. First you have the sex, and then you have the sex you want. Excuse me, like pretend that we like something when we don't actually like it. Um, or moan because we think we should moan and not because we're actually moaning in pleasure. Hello, welcome back. I'm Philip Banks, and I'm your host for the Audio Sex Party. I'm really happy you've joined us. Turns out, gay guys like talking about sex. Big surprise. It's a rich subject, and when we get talking about our sex lives, it can get really hot. I know this because together with some friends, I hosted three audio sex parties, where a few dozen men shared intimate details about the sex they have and the sex they want. From these conversations, we pulled out 10 themes that we've woven into our first season of this podcast for your oral pleasure. That's A-U-R-A-L. On the last episode of the podcast, we heard guys talk about intimacy. And on this episode, we'll be hearing guys talk about racial fetishization. So come on in and join the party. With any interaction, sexual or not, uh, with someone else, one of the things we're trying to really do all the time is say, are you seeing the world the way I see the world? And... When there's agreement, we feel more connected to that person. We feel like we understand that person. We feel like they see us. It's a really uh, positive feeling that can happen from that. What can make uh, fetishization so painful is realizing that that other person doesn't see you for you. They see you as some marker for some ideas that they already have uh, in their head. That was Jamie Wu. We heard him talking about Grindr on episode one of the podcast. I was once at this party. Um, I at parties uh, am a little bit socially awkward. So what I do is I just stand by the food table. I just eat everything in sight. Um, and that's pretty much, that's that's just me at a party. Um, but this really, really handsome man came up to me and he started asking me about myself and we like walked away from the food, which means a lot to me. Uh, and we walked to the couch and he sat down and he was so, um, it, he was just he's sending me all these signals. And finally he leans in and he's like, I normally don't find Asians attractive, but you're an exception. And I never really know. I assume it's meant to be a compliment. Um, but telling someone that they are king of shit mountain doesn't really amount to much or saying that you are not of this group that you belong to you're better but i think everyone else of that group is horrible those are not complimentary things but it kind of demonstrates his worldview that that would have been uh, a compliment to me that being told that i was not part of this inferior group should raise my esteem and I think that that is where um, fetishization also hurts because we are so tied to different parts of our identity. When we're told that those parts don't actually count, 
uh, it makes us feel lesser as a result. Um, as someone who is fully versed, um, it's the sort of assumptions that Sexual racism, I, it's, it's a problem in gay men's community. Um, but one of the biggest problems in my mind is the ways in which it centers whiteness. The ways in which when we start talking about sex and other social issues, desirability, that we instantly center whiteness. You know, I don't always have sex with white men. I Like, I'm black, I have sex with black men, and I... You know, and I have sex with men who aren't black as well, and I've had boyfriends and relationships with a range of people from different backgrounds. Um, but the starting point for me is not necessarily racism because when I'm dating someone who's black, when I'm dating, when I'm having casual sex with somebody who's like black, then like sexual racism isn't an issue. That was Ahmed. We heard him talking about consent on episode three of the podcast and about intimacy on episode four. There are other social, political, economic like issues that may come into play around class, power, privilege, uh, beauty, aesthetics. Like other things may come into play, but for there to like really center some of like the social um, issues that play out in the sexual community of men who who love and have sex with men um, around race. Uh, is a problem for me, right? Like, and not to say that we don't need to talk about the ways in which gay white men are racist, uh, like all day, like the and like unabashedly so. Like, I find gay white men can be so comfortable in their racism in ways that like mainstream white people feel like uncomfortable. And I'm like talking like pre Donald Trump, right? Gay whites would like, particularly gay white men. I find. um feel like, well, I'm a oppressed minority, so I can be racist. Like, I've literally heard them say that. And I'm like, really? Is that what being gay means to you? Like, that's what you got out of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just flabbergasted. Um, they'll just say, like, I've heard uh, gay white men say the most racist things and somehow feel justified um, because, well, I'm gay and I'm oppressed. And I'm like, and you're still a white man. You know, so I think like we need to be able to make room for the ways in which white gay men and like model minorities and other groups can be incredibly racist um, and also talk about the ways in which like uh, those of us who are like racial minorities don't necessarily always like build our sexual lives around what, what the hell white men think. Like it just doesn't matter so often. <laughs> And I think they like to think it does more than it does. Male bodies? I was thinking, you know what? I want to get I've had guys where, like, right away, like, they'll just be like, oh, not into blacks, or, like, even worse, like, no N words, or you're just, and then a quick block. When I do get hit with those messages of, like, guys that are saying, you know, no blacks, or they're a little more explicit in how they, how they mention that, like, it's hard not to take that with you. Um, and I think that a huge part of, like, for me at least, that makes navigating those apps so exhausting is because you're constantly either, you're constantly being bombarded with it in one way or another. And it's just something that, like, if I message a non-black guy, it's something that in the back of my head is something that I have to think about. Like, how are they going to respond to this? Are they in, like, are they into me because I'm black or are they, 
or are they into me because I'm like an interesting person or they find me attractive? Do they dislike my profile because I'm black or do they dislike my profile because they don't want to hook up with a guy my height or whatever the case is? Like, I think that's a huge piece for me in navigating these apps. And I think that that's something that is um, mostly restricted to, to the apps, right? Like, I think that it gives a lot of guys or the sense that we're not in the same physical space together and the sense that you have the authority to block and you think once you've blocked me that I'm completely out of sight, out of mind. I think that that leaves a lot of guys with um, the balls that they that they normally wouldn't have if they were to see you in, a, in, like in real life, quote unquote. If you've been following along with the podcast, and I know you have, this story might sound familiar. That's David DeAndre. He was a guest at a couple of our audio sex parties. He just can't get enough. And we heard him talk about his experience hooking up with guys in Barbados on our pilot episode. If you haven't heard that story yet, it's not too late to go back and listen. So I would spend my summers in Barbados growing up. And as I got older, there was me being the Canadian visiting where I would kind of go on Grindr. And then whenever I was on Grindr, it would just be like a sea of torsos or, you know, like a picture of like the ocean. Just there were no face pics at all. But I think a huge relief is that you don't really have to worry about like race it's not something it's it's not a conversation right it's just oh we're the same so like are you a top or are you a bottom like what are we doing here like there there isn't that worrisome piece at all For, uh, like when we're having conversations about sex, it's it, as uh, black queer and trans men, it's a, it's it's a conversation about how our uh, bodies are fetishized and how we are um, uh, seen as you know uh, a check mark on some uh, the majority of the population you know that we live within. Because uh, we're I'm, I'm from Ottawa, so you know there's not uh, black people are the largest racialized uh, group, uh, but then the queer and trans community. Within that is 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 very small. Like one that comes to mind is you know talking about um, what it's like to have sex with someone who is uh, where where the 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 sex is genuine. It's not coming from a place of ownership or a place of um, uh, fetishization. When it comes from that place, there's always pleasure. I'll definitely say like I've been fetishized um, quite a bit. My name is Justin and Antoine, and uh, I am an HIV activist slash volunteer at Asian Community Aid Services. Um, I'm also a photographer, a teacher, a musician, and a choir director. I wasn't at the audio sex party, but if I were there, I would have probably wanted to talk to the other guys there about... HIV stigma and also I would probably just want to talk about sex because um, I love sex sex is great and I really think it's fun to talk about it like for example there was this one person um, a white person who I was dating at one point and um, like he would constantly make references to me being Asian and how I was attractive because of my Asian-ness and we just make really 
the kind of rude comments like he would say things like um like there's this one time around um pride time where he, like around pride where he said oh i saw so many naked asians and i'm really horny so when we get back to my place like we really gotta fuck and i was like what like and i would just try to not say anything and try to just go along with it because i didn't want to cause a fight but inwardly i was like this is really terrible so i went back to his place after pride and we had sex but um i felt so empty in that sex like i felt no pleasure i felt i actually felt a little bit disgusted with myself because like why am i giving why am i allowing this guy to have sex with me and to enter my body when i feel like he's just said extremely racist things to me and i feel completely violated and um and he's seeing me more as a sex object than a person right when you're not fetishized and you are uh, and someone is you know wants to have sex with you based on who you are and as a person rather than your race it is a lot more pleasurable and what are the things that people have to negotiate and what are the barriers that i think we face as a racialized gay man I think many of them are the way that people expect us, us to be. Like, for instance, in dating, many people think like Latino, Latino gay men are so full of drama, and and I, I find them very offensive. And for a while, I was running a personal campaign. I made these T-shirts that say zero drama, and I was just trying to make a, a statement of like, no, we are Latinos, and not necessarily we are full of drama. However. My good friend Paul told me that if you walk on the street with these kind of t-shirts, maybe if you have to make an statement about this, maybe you are reproducing some sort of drama there. So I stopped for a while. I'm going to think about that later. That was Gerardo Betancourt. On episode three, we heard him talk about consent. And on episode four, about intimacy. The thing is, you're always negotiating who you are and there's this hierarchies that you see at Woody's, you see at Pride, you see in all the parties. And I think particularly men of color, Asian men and Latinos, we, we face that because um, studies have demonstrated that Latino, like sorry, like gay men, white gay men are seated at the top of the hierarchy. So there is a study, um, Adam Green, 2008, and uh, he does this study. I think I believe it was in New York, and I read the study and I thought it was very interesting to notice to go to Woody's or to go to any bar and just sit around to see who are the people, who are the guys who are getting most attention and who are not. And from that. There is a tons of things that comes into play. For instance, who is a top, who is a bottom, who is on prep, um, a bunch of things like the inches of your cock, how big it, it is, how small it is, like all these kind of things, your age. So there are tons of factors and everything gets together kind of in a, in a blender and creates very interesting results in ways how people socialize in terms of having agency and having hierarchies and who is making the agreement and who is in control or not um, of the agreement. So I'm, I'm always cautious and curious about... There's the aspect of like looking for... A, when you're having sex, like there's an aspect of like looking for a partner and also like the partner looking for you. And in terms of like... And because we're offered in... Oh, in, in our day and time, we're offered a technology in which like we can easily choose a partner or at least we can easily select what we like based on a profile or a picture or something like that. Um, 
um, a lot of things get eliminated immediately. And so um, in terms of like um, racism, um, femphobia, fatphobia in the community, I think um, our... and because of like how we standardize beauty and how we're influenced by the standards of beauty our quote unquote type changes or are influenced by that that was brian quinones they were a guest at one of the audio sex parties we heard them talk about intimacy on episode four of the podcast to me as my identity being like filipino being non-binary being like not really like skinny or like jacked or toned or whatever um it's it's harder for me to be selected by someone if that makes sense because like in the hookup world it's not just me selecting people but it's also people selecting me and so when when i when i talk about like the pool of guys and when i refer to my pool is smaller than yours um because how um people are influenced by these standards of beauty um the people who are into me or my pool it tends to be smaller than um let's say a person who is white who's a twink or who's jacked or someone who has a big dick or something like that or who has a nice ass or something like that or has a beard when it comes to newcomers and i and i've extensively worked with uh the South Asian uh, population, new new immigrants or newcomers to Toronto, um, I think one of the biggest concerns that uh, many of them have shared with me is a sense of isolation. Hi, I'm Pranay Anand. I currently work at UFT, but I've been working in the field of sexual health and especially in gay men's sexual health for about 10 years as a researcher, a counselor, educator, and um, also in teaching. I think the kind of person that I am today at an audio sex party, I'll be sipping a drink and chatting up with people one-on-one. I'm definitely a one-on-one person. You have these hopes and aspirations of creating the circle of friends and going to gay bars and creating this community. But if that doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen for a lot of people who don't kind of fit the stereotype or who don't necessarily enjoy the clubbing scene or the online um, hooking up culture, and uh, then then we get into the sense of like subtle racism, and then you're like, oh well, am I, why am I not being hit on Grinder? Why aren't people responding to me? For some people, it might be really like you know having this experience over and over again. It might become really uh, tormenting for them, and they're like, well, this is not me. Like, why why am I always being you know? cast, for the lack of better words, cast as the brown guy or the black guy when it comes to a social situation. Um, And I think again and again and again, that just makes you, that might make a person feel that, that they're different every single time. And as gay men, we already grow with the sense of I am different. If you're being targeted as the other and that that's sort of like creating that othering sense, sense of sense of you you don't belong here or you don't you're the other can can really play on a person's psyche and then that could be that could add to more isolation i think because uh, you'd be like maybe i don't belong here maybe this is something that'll happen to me every single time i go out like that could also lead to more anxiety depression 
uh, and, a, and a bunch of uh, other mental health challenges. Thanks for joining the Audio Sex Party. On this episode, you heard Jamie Wu, Ahmed, David DeAndre, Justin and Antoine, Gerardo Betancourt, Brian Quinones, Pranay Anand. But we also heard lots of other voices too. And we want to thank them for coming to the party and sharing their stories. Join us next time. We'll listen to guys talk about what it's like living and hooking up with HIV. The way I get the sex I want is uh, by having open, honest communication with my my husband of three years now. Um, I think uh, it's been an inter- interesting journey. We've been together seven years, and our uh, our sex has changed. It's become more passionate. It's become more interesting. We know each other and each other's bodies better now. But it's it's still you know every every now and then we have to communicate. And as long as uh, those channels are open, I think. Uh, I and both of us will keep getting the sex we want. The way I get the sex I want is by loving myself and knowing my worth.